What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Razorback Nation, welcome to this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you hit the subscribe button and leave us a review while you're listening on your Apple device. You can also catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and any popular podcast platform. You can also catch the Hog Talk daily, following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Discord, and our website, thehogpen.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hog Talk. Uh, you know, just extremely frustrating. Um... Did not feel like we executed in the uh, in, in the key moments when we needed to the most um, to get a stop or to get the ball get the, get the ball and uh, and come away with points in the red zone uh, early in the game uh, was disappointing. Uh, you know, when, when you when, where we are in our program right now, we get the ball in the red zone, we got to score touchdowns. And Sometimes a warrior just has to kind of lay down on the ground for a minute, just stay there for a second, have a good bleed. And just, just bleed. Razorback fans, welcome to episode number 30 of the Hog Talk Podcast. This is your host, Jacob Davis, and my co-host, dual co-host today, are Peck Hayes of Ozark, and we've got Ty Hudson of the Pig Trail Network. Maybe changing, name changing soon sometime. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. But Ty Hudson in Springdale, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, man. Ready to... Uh... Continue this venting process over the Kentucky game. <laughs> yeah, just, definitely, definitely. Let's just all come together and we will meditate, go, hmm. And just, yoga. let's just My wife said do yoga. I'm not, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga, though, Ty. I'm, I've got a big old gut in the way. I, like, it's just impossible. <laughs> but, guys, I'll, I'll start with you first, Ty. Mm. So you were you attended a wedding last night. Mm-hmm. You had, I'm sure, after the game in your post game show that had over 200 something uh, viewers drop in. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you had some angry fans last night. Tell us a little bit about that. What did you receive? What <laughs> kind of reaction did you receive last night? <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was um, as usual, it was pretty therapeutic, I think, for everybody in the chat and myself involved. It was, uh, it was, yeah, a lot of venting there, a lot of people upset, angry, rightfully so. What they witnessed was an absolute joke. So I, you know, I get it. The frustration is real. I was able to, fortunately, even though I was at a really fancy, super nice wedding, I was able to actually stream the game on my on my phone throughout the whole thing. And like I was 
you know, I was still there in the moment at the wedding, making sure that I was making eye contact with my wife. So I wasn't getting the look, you know, like, what are you doing? Get the hell off your phone. There's a wedding. But uh, she understood. And, and you know, I, again, I was there in the moment, but I was also watching the game. And I think there were a couple of times where I was like, you know, you got to be kidding me. You know, just, just the look and the expressions on my face, people around me were like, oh, God, let me guess. Arkansas is about to lose. I'm like, well, you know, it's only half, but um, it, it's not looking too good right now. I'm not sure what's going on with the quarterback situation. And so, yeah, I was able to come home and catch the second half here on my computer. And then obviously we streamed live and uh, some very upset individuals. Yeah, it, it was uh, therapeutic for everybody, but it was it's still like, you know, here it is Sunday evening. We're recording and I'm still I'm still getting people messaging me and commenting on the video and going back and still just letting it all out. And I, Hey, you know what? That's what we do. That's what we're here for. Part of it. I think maybe a little. Yeah. Well, so, so look though, fans have a legitimate gripe because it's like you said, you said the, it was pathetic. The, the product was sickening there. There in no way. Can you not line up 11 guys, put 10 of them in the box, and stop the dang run game? There was no excuse for it. You knew what was coming. And and I'm an Eldorado guy. And Eldorado had beaten Sheridan for 20, 20-something games in a row. Sheridan's never beaten Eldorado in, 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 in my life. I'd never seen it. Sheridan ran it up and down the field all over Eldorado's defense. And, and I said it was Stone Age football. That's the same kind of football. Sheridan, Sheridan attempted one pass throughout that game. I think in I think Kentucky only attempted seven last night. Oh, passes? It was that. Passes. It was, was, it was, was 12. It? 12. It was 12. Yeah, Bowden oh was 7 of 11. <laughs> 7 of 11 <laughs> for 78 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then he ran for 199 yards. Yeah. Come on. I mean – how do you expect? I mean, as a defensive coordinator, I I don't want to. I don't like calling for people's heads, but man, how do you not get a pink slip on Monday, knowing knowing your job, knowing what you were supposed to game plan for, and you fail? Heck, tell me, tell me about it, man. Why, why could the defense not figure it out on uh, uh, last night on defense? I mean, what were they not game planning for it, or what was going on? It had to be a game plan because, I mean, you had the lead at halftime and then you come out and you just, you, they did, like I said, 12 passes. Dude was seven, seven for 11 in passing. You knew what they were going to do. Had the lead at halftime. You go into the locker room and game plan and you come out and you do worse in the second half. That is always coaching. Always coaching. And here's the deal this ain't a one off. This ain't the first time this has happened this season. You know, when you when you do this against San Diego State and you lose against a team like them, and then you have a bye week, and then you come off a bye week and play a team like Kentucky, who is winless in the SEC East, you expect to win. And you don't, and especially the way they lost the game. Yeah, like you said, there, there's got to be some pink slips or, or there's got to be something going on. Get a call to the boss's office. I, I don't know about you guys, but if you perform poorly, I'm sure you, you know, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get called to the 
to the office and you're going to have a conversation. Maybe that's happening with Hunter, your check and Chad. I don't know. Um, you know, Hunter said after the San Jose state loss that he felt like Arkansas was headed and still headed in the right direction under Chad. And I, I'm curious if someone were to ask him his thoughts, his thoughts Monday morning, where they would be, would he still, would he, would that still be his response? Yeah. Well, and you could, yeah, I take that. What he said right there is a grain of salt because that was a, that was something that was said at the Little Rock Touchdown Club, and, you know, that was what we call coach speak. You know, he's not going to come out and say, well, we're looking at options, or he better do this or that. I mean, right. now we're getting deeper in the season, and he's done it again against an inferior opponent. I mean, guys, we got the talent at Arkansas on offense to win these games. You know, and, and with Hicks coming in and doing that, I mean, not pulling Starkle and throwing Hicks in later in the – I mean, or it's something. Put K.J. Jefferson – I mean, it's at the point to where they're not trying to win these games. I, I don't understand it. It's the most frustrated I've been in years. Yeah. Well, good gravy. I mean, I was frustrated when, when Arkansas had to find a way to beat Coastal Carolina. Look, look, I mean, we, we didn't find a way to beat Toledo. We had to find a way to beat Coastal Carolina, and here we are now. This is, a, I mean, San Jose State's an equal of a ground program as, as Coastal Carolina. And here you are, you didn't just get blown out by San Jose State, I mean, or by Coastal Carolina. I mean, you made it a game. You had to come back from down 12 points in the fourth quarter. But you had to find a way to come back against San Jose State who was a three-win program over the last two seasons in the Mountain West Conference? It's unacceptable, is what it is. And and there there's, I mean, it's just like Chad Moore says, it's unacceptable. Yeah. And when are you going to own up to the fact that it's really truly unacceptable? Because up to now, your words mean nothing. It holds it holds nothing to me because you're not improving. You're not holding to your word. I don't care how many times you can say, "Oh, I'm 100% frustrated." I mean, just like you heard in the press conference, which was played earlier in the show, you know, you, you, you have to own up to your problems, and he's not owning up to it. Truly. Because you're, you're seeing it the same thing week after week after week. And what made it more embarrassing was Lynn Bowden. Yeah, he played quarterback in high school, but he was a converted wide receiver playing quarterback in a wildcat formation and Arkansas couldn't stop it. They knew what was coming, and they couldn't stop it. This isn't Darren McFadden. This isn't Randall L. or or Randall Cobb out there, like Peck said earlier in, in our text or our group chat earlier. This isn't like a super talented guy. Yeah, no disrespect to, to Lynn Bowden. But Peck, dude, they, this, this guy was not a Darren McFadden type of player. That just shows where the state of the program is under Chad Morris right now. It is worse. It's in worse shape. When you should think in year two, you should see you should be seeing progress. Yeah, because year one, we we gave it a pass. We're, we're reliving year one all over again. That's what's frustrating. You know, it's it, it's not like this is Chad Morris's first year. You know, he's able to come in, and both of these guys are able to come in, put their product in get their schemes, get their offensive defense together. And we're having worse results, in my opinion, than last year. Yeah, You know, you, you look around the SEC and you see bottom feeders like Tennessee winning, South Carolina going to number three Georgia and winning, 
you know, it's 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 frustrating because, you know, I was listening to the radio on Saturday while I was working and it was this guy who called in. He was camped out on top of the roof of the Toyota dealership in Knoxville until Tennessee won a game. That's how bad that program is. And they still found a way to win, you know, and, yeah. and to look at our, there's no, that's why I'm saying there's no excuses because there's programs like Tennessee, you know, we're other than Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt does not care about sports. They're an academic school, maybe baseball. Yeah. But here at Arkansas, there is an expectation at least to win, win, win and get a, get a bowl game every year. Like I said earlier, yeah. And when you're not doing that and you can't even beat a power five school in two years, it, it's, it's, it's almost like it's time to go. Right. He's never had a victory over a power five school. And you no. look at the field, you look at the product though, and you, you see what's going on in the field. Your punt, your punt team doesn't even know when it's time to be out of the punt. It, it, you, don't, you don't even have enough guys in there for the formation. You have to call a timeout. And then you get called for uh, a false start, two consecutive plays on a punt in a punt formation, and you can't even get that right. You still have guys illegal illegal formations. You have it's just ridiculous. And then you you said before the game, oh, we got to get Rakeem Boyd the ball twenty times. He touched the ball fifteen times, and he was averaging seven or eight yards a carry. Yeah, he got he he got a little banged up, and and they they put him back out there, and he looked just as just as clean as he did in the first half. Still running the football hard, getting eight nine yards on every other carry. What is it going to take, Ty, to to see this Arkansas team improve? Not just defense or offense. What's it going to take for them to move in the in the right direction? They have four ranked teams. Coming up over the next six games, what's what's it going to take to get better? Mm. What's it going to take? <laughs> I don't have the answer. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think anybody I does. Mean, I, I think if you're going to ask me moving forward after this year, I'll tell you exactly what they need to do. But uh, <laughs> right now, it's uh, you know with these with these upcoming games, these up, 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 upcoming matchups with these ranked opponents. Yeah, good luck. I don't know. I still think you know, like Porter said earlier, they have they have the talent. And I think someone said it in our Discord. I think it was last night or today. I can't remember, but someone said they have. It's it's not on. It's not on the guys on the field. It's on the guys on the sidelines. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a lack of preparation. It's a lack of of being on the same page. It's all that stuff that was happening at the Portland State game. Again, we go back to that a lot. I do, but because it's to me, it was that moment where it was like, is is this? Surely this is just a a, a bump in the road. Surely this isn't going to happen again. And you know, it's first game jitters, and this it, hopefully it's not a sign of things to come. And sure enough, it was. And we can go back to poor clock management. It seems like about every other week there's something going on with clock management. Like you said, the not having enough guys on the field that's happened, I think, more than once this year. They've had to call every timeouts. game. It has been every game. They've had to call timeouts for for just being lost, and and the the excuses that we're seeing on Twitter. I understand wanting to defend your program, wanting to defend the Arkansas Razorbacks as a fan. But the excuses have just they're they're I don't know why I don't know why people are doing this. They're excusing what they're seeing. It's either they're not watching the game on the field or they really don't 
I, I don't know. I can't figure it out. I mean, I had, I've seen where people are taking shots at, at other fans just for saying things like, you know, the product on the field is, is fine. It's the, it's the staff and people coming at those, you know, getting into this, this back and forth on Twitter and defending everything that Chad Morse does. I don't understand it. I don't get, I'm not saying that you got to belittle the guy. I'm not saying you attack him personally at all. That's, that's classless, um, which we've also seen, but what we have seen for the last season and a half is just, it's mind boggling. And I'm going to say something on Twitter. You're going to say something on Twitter. Peck is going to say something. And it's just the nature of it. You know, fans are tired of seeing this. And so I, I there's a lot of things they got to get right between now and I don't know, by the time they get ready to play Mississippi state, I still think that that's a game that I wouldn't put Mississippi state down as heavy favorites. I'd say that they'd be favored in that game. Maybe that's a game that Arkansas can win. But guys, they're looking at going. They're looking at four wins in two years, maybe five if they're lucky. If they can get past Western Kentucky, the question is looming. It's it's coming. We know it is with every passing week. What's going to be the answer at the end of the year if they don't right the ship this year? What do they do? What happens if you do lose to Western Kentucky? And I know. Uh, we've been talking about that on Marco Polo back and forth about what they should do. Um, but that question's looming. It's, it's coming, and, and it's we're going to have to, you know, obviously we're going to have to sit by and, and watch and see how Hunter Juracek handles this whole thing. But it's not good. This is the worst we've ever seen this program. It's the worst the program's ever been in its history, and it's all on, unfortunately, it's all on Hunter Juracek and, and, and the Board of Trustees. It's all on their shoulders to right the ship. And, I'm going to stick to my guns and what I said here on the Hog Talk podcast a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was last week. I've all I've I've got this feeling that Chad Morris is the in between guy. He's the guy that racks up the talent. He he, uh, you know, he brings them in. He brings the the names and numbers in. He he increases the talent pool on your depth chart and on your roster. But he's just unable to get it together, and then they're going to have to rely on the next guy. Speaking of that, we have we haven't even mentioned the decommitment of four star tackle Tykes Crawford. That was a huge blow. That happened immediately following the game. Yeah. And he that said was huge. And he said that after a lot of time, there was a lot of time. There was four hours throughout that game that he was pondering putting that uh decommitment. I don't I don't know for sure, but man, it I would have decommitted after that game <laughs> if I was an out of state player that had no connections and really didn't care about the state of Arkansas. You know, I would have decommitted too. I think a lot of fans decommitted. <laughs> what a, what a lot of people they... are doing now is, you know, it's it's just all about basketball now, and I don't yeah. blame anybody for that for for being yeah. in that mindset. I don't think fans are decommitting from from the Razorbacks being fans themselves. I think they're decommitting themselves from watching this from mess this season. on the field. Yeah, I think so. I think this season they are. Yeah. I mean, at least you saw improvement during the middle of the season last year. There was a point that Arkansas, I mean, they were close to tying Alabama at home last year. And they were trending upwards the next week against Ole Miss. They had Ole Miss beat. And then after that, they they beat Tulsa, and then they lose to Vanderbilt, they lose to LSU, They and they just didn't, they continued to regress. And they continued to regress besides the fourth quarter against Colorado State. And I will tell you this. I said this the last three podcasts that the winning, the, the, the close losses to Texas A&M are an epiphany 
because it's happened in the last two coaching staffs that it doesn't matter how close you play uh, Texas A&M, it doesn't show you what the rest of the season is going to look like. I, it was not fool's gold for me. Sorry. I will say this. Uh, you picked Arkansas to cover. I didn't. I did. Yeah. And so you won that one, but you and I both know Kentucky could have scored there, and they 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 should have. Uh, Arkansas shouldn't have covered that dadgum that no. dadgum spread. No. Had he not been tackled at like what the five four five yard line? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's that's just how bad things are. Like you guys said, you had this quarterback roll around on you and look like Darren McFadden. I mean, not quite that elite, but I mean, he—that was the kind of performance he had. It was almost like they had Darren McFadden back there against this Arkansas defense. Yeah. Um, they've just there's just—I don't even know where to begin as far as what they need to get right. I don't—I don't have the answer. I don't think any of us do. I—I I no. could say I don't know. Be better prepared. Uh, maybe a little bit more film work. I don't know. Hit the hit the weight room harder. Figure it out. I don't know. Be a head coach, Chad Morris. Figure the damn thing out. I can't. I can't for the life of me figure out why why they have been so inconsistent and why they let Kentucky do what they did. And that, I mean, obviously we can all point fingers at Chavis on that. Why did this, why did this receiver converted to a quarterback have that kind of performance? And it's, um, I don't know. And, and, and with the Crawford, with the Tykes Crawford decommitting, this is also the other thing that Arkansas is going to have to get figured out. You know, this is how bad teams remain bad in the SEC or any power five. When you start losing, not being able to sell to recruits, and all of a sudden you drop in recruiting rankings. So then you're just digging your hole even deeper. So now not only are you not winning and getting it all figured out on, on the field, but then you're also losing the off-the-field battle in recruiting, and you just stay near the bottom. And we know that Arkansas is never going to be – they're not going to be a top-five SEC recruiting program. Uh, the cards it, – it's just not in it for them. It's not in the – it's not the hand they were dealt geographically. They just don't have the population. The state just doesn't have that kind of output and and player high school football players. But uh, you hope you can attack Texas better and, and keep these guys on board. Hopefully, we don't see any more decommitments. What is that now? Three, three, yeah, three, three, two during the season and one before the season. Yeah. It's... So I don't know. They're going to have to do a lot to convince these kids to stick around. I think, and I don't yeah. think he'll be the last. I think that's probably the most obvious thing to say, but. Uh, he's got a teammate as well, and uh, yeah, I, I don't unless they get this figured out this year, and I don't see that happening. I, I think you are going to see some more guys decommit. Yeah. So before we go to break, I'm going to add that earlier, earlier in the uh, season during my podcast, I said I think it was even preseason that it was imperative Arkansas win six games to to continue the upward trend in recruiting, and we're seeing what's going on right now. So right after this break, we're going to have a word from the Yellow Jacket Drive-In, and then we'll dig up and dig in to some basketball recruiting and, and cover the basketball team. They're trending upwards. Can, can, they bring in, can they bring in the talent they started this weekend right after this break? The Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Shedden, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They'll give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, 
the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to episode 30 of the Hog Talk podcast. Guys, Devontae Davis. From Jacksonville, Arkansas, picked the Razorbacks after decommitting from Oklahoma State about a month ago. He is now the first 2020 recruit to sign, I mean, to commit to Eric Musselman, the new Razorback head coach at men's basketball. Things are looking hot on the recruiting trail in basketball, Peck and Ty. What are your thoughts, Ty, about Devontae Davis and his commitment to the Arkansas Razorbacks? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good one. I mean, you know, he's he's – According to 24-7 Sports, I mean, this guy is highly rated. He's nationally ranked. Uh, their composite score, I think he's top 100. Just on their 24-7 Sports side of things, is their top, he's top 135. He's the number, uh, again, going back to their composite, he's the number 16-point guard, the number three player in the state of Arkansas. Chose Arkansas over Oklahoma State, and it really seemed like there for a while that Oklahoma State was leading, and in the last uh, couple of months, He's uh, he's been trending towards Arkansas for a little while. He had he's got four crystal ball predictions and on twenty four seven sports, and only one of them have uh, ever had him going to Oklahoma State. That was uh, Dane Irvin from uh, BI Reports or twenty four seven sports, and uh, he's wrong right now. He's wrong as it as it looks. But Danny West, Chris Fisher, and uh, Billy Imbody Imbody, <laughs> I'm probably butchering that last name, but they all picked. Um, they all picked Devo to commit to the Razorbacks. We'll see if he signs. I think he will. Uh, out of Jacksonville, like you said, he's part of that 2020 class. They have him listed at 6'4". I've actually heard he's probably closer to about a, a really tall 6'3", short 6'4". You know, we're kind of splitting hairs there, but uh, exciting. It's good. So you got, you've got you got a commitment for the 2020 class, and, they, and, and or the 2021 class, and the 2020 class. So We'll see how they fill this thing out the re- the remainder of the season. We know we've talked about that quite a bit, how the state of Arkansas, you still got Jalen Williams, K.K. Robinson. Uh, I don't know about Chris Moore. I don't know the latest on him. You've still got those guys, Gerald Dokes, and, of course, you've got Moody and some other guys kind of floating around out there. So this uh, the, this next year, very important for Musselman to, to nail down recruiting and getting some of these guys – on campus and getting them here and ready for next season because I really think 2020 could be a special year for Arkansas basketball. Of course, we got to see what the product looks like on the court this year, see how far along they are year one. Maybe they're ahead of the curve. Um, But uh, I'm excited, man. Where football's been disappointing, dramatically disappointing, we we can at least look towards a new era of basketball at the University of Arkansas. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, and it's not that just that – Arkansas could have five really good players come on and 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 commit to the Razorbacks and sign and play for them. They could have them at every single position, a homegrown Razorback Arkansas prospect. You have Jalen Williams at center, K.K. Robinson playing point guard, Devontae Davis, who is also a shooter. He could run, he can run shooting guard. You got Chris Moore. If Arkansas can somehow make up ground with him, he's a power forward. 
and you get Moses Moody at small forward, that's a all five Razorback. I mean, uh, all five Arkansas starting five. Yeah. Incredible. All in the same class. All in the same class. This beats the Rodney Clark, Courtney Fortson class or, or the Hunter Mickelson class. This class could be the one that turns Arkansas around in basketball and, and, and gets them in the second round, uh, the set, the second weekend of the tournament. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, th- I think they're trending in the right direction where all things matter in terms of the offseason. But going back to Devo, going back to Devontae Davis, this is a guy that had committable offers from not only just Arkansas and Oklahoma State, but Auburn and Ole Miss as well. So uh, when you add him into the mix, and and I'm not surprised at all because, you know, everything that that we've been told and everything I've been told is they're looking really good at these in-state prospects. I'm still on the fence about Moody. I know he canceled his, his Florida visit, and he's supposed to come in town. Jacob, do you have that information? I think he's coming next weekend, October nineteenth. Is that when it is? Him, okay. Him and one other guy. I can't remember the who the other one is, but they're. I think it's KK Robinson. If, uh, fans, if, if they fans can, can manage, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, they can have a, a, a I don't know, a one hell of a visit, you know, uh, and they can somehow convince Moody and get him to commit. I need. I I think if you're Arkansas, you need him to commit like now. I don't want him to hold yeah. out until you know halfway throughout the year till the end, because sometimes. That can work against, you know, a program like Arkansas where you hold out and you get to see where maybe some of these other programs might be a little bit further ahead or whatever. It's just more exposure. I mean, obviously, he, you want him to make the right decision for himself as a, as a, as a student and as a player, but for Arkansas, <laughs> they need him to commit preferably sooner than later if he does at all. But um, even without Moody, let's say you don't get Moody, you still got a really impressive class that looks like Arkansas should be able to should be able to get, should be able to put together. Musselman's he's killing it. He's killing it. Like I said, in all matters that matter, in all areas that matter, in the off season, he's killing it. Yeah. They're doing a good. Yeah, job. we ain't even we ain't even mentioning Isaiah McBride. You know, here here's the deal with with Mike yeah. Anderson and the top in-state recruits. You, when it goes back to Malik Monk and, and the, the other kid that not Portis, but the other kid that was at North Little Rock that ended up going to Kentucky, his, his name was Archie Goodwin. Yep, Goodwin. We knew that we weren't getting them. I mean, there was a little glimmer of hope with Monk because of his connections with Marcus Monk. But after Monk went to Kentucky and Goodwin went to Kentucky, other than the ones like Portis who just really wanted to be a Razorback, and then Gafford, who really wanted to be a Razorback. You knew you wasn't going to really have a chance at getting those in-state recruits. And for Musselman to come in and at least entertain Moody, who was a legit going to probably Florida or somewhere else. And then Isaiah McBride, who was going to go to Kentucky. Yeah, the scandal at Kentucky kind of kind of fell in Arkansas's lap with that. But for them to even get consideration of these top in-state recruits to now come to Arkansas – is a huge step from where we were. We can't look at, well, if we don't get these guys, it, it's it's a bust. We got their attention where we wasn't getting their attention at all in the past. They would they would just go to Kentucky or go wherever. You know, look, Kayvon Allen went to Florida. You know, now we're getting these guys' attention, and if you get a couple of these guys to buddy up, that's where this AAU and all this, this circuits, you know, these people yeah. buddy up and let's go play together. 
that makes a huge difference now. You get a couple of those to come to Arkansas, next year could be very special because, you know, I know we talk about football but and, and recruiting, but all it takes is one or two special kids in basketball to turn a whole team around. Yeah, You know, you're, you're seeing one guy, like when South Carolina went to the Final Four a couple of years ago, one guy carried that whole team to the Final Four. That's, that's all it takes in basketball. And to possibly have a start in five from Arkansas, that, that's huge, and that sees where Musselman's getting this program. Just he ain't even played a game yet. And we're possibly talking about having an all-Arkansas starting lineup. Very reminiscent of Petrino when he had the Warren kids. Yes. You know, very yeah, reminiscent of that. I mean, yeah. that that class, of course, that was a little bit sooner. Well, I think that was his year one. I think that was the tail end yeah, of his recruiting, if I remember right. But um, it, very reminiscent of that, where you could absolutely come in and and – this year, again, I, I, I know it's early. I, I have a hard time getting them to the tournament. If they make it, hey, whatever, great. More, more, it's just icing on the cake. But uh, you're getting set up for a special 2020 year. And, and uh, it doesn't, like Peck said, and like you've said before, it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take five years, four years to get things going in the right direction in college basketball. You get the right coach, you get the right assistance. And, and get a playmaker and get a couple of guys around him that can help him get some things done on the court. Just have a decent product on the court. Who knows? And, and when you get to the or when you get to postseason, when you get to the tournament, it's a crapshoot, you know? So right. it's all about matchups at that point. So who knows what this team's capable of in, in year two, maybe even year one. But I was going to ask you of the Arkansas group, of the, of the group, or even just this class, who would you argue? Let's say you get one kid you're you've only got one for whatever reason you, you can get one of these guys who do you think is the most important in this class Jalen Williams mm. so glad you said that I size. love that kid and, and oh size. my gosh six nine and a half yes. six ten two thirty five they don't have the size I'm so happy you said that oh. of course I knew you would I knew you would I love That's it good stuff. I, I like him a lot I do so too. so this class they could they can end up finishing in the top fifteen. The best class that I really remember Arkansas having was that year with Rodney Clark and Courtney Fortson. Those are the best two forwards that are uh, best two guard combo that I have ever seen sign with Arkansas ever. And then you had Jason Henry. I think he was originally out of uh, Helena West Helena, and then Brandon Moore. Though that was a really good recruiting class. That was Pelfrey's second. Uh, second full or first full class, but second season. That guy he had pulled pulled a really good class in. The, I mean, they ended up they came in, they beat Texas and they beat Oklahoma at home, and you're just thinking, all right, Arkansas basketball is back. We're twelve and one, uh, <laughs> going into conference play, and then boom. Yeah, these guys here that that basketball is so much different now than it was back in '08. Because of the height of AAU ball and and the amount of time kids spend on their craft, like this this could be one of the best. I mean, Arkansas's never signed five top one hundred players ever, and you can get them all out of your home state, and you got to do it. That's imperative. It is. It's so. It's and not only that, but like think about if you're one. Let's say you are competitive in the conference. And by the way, the SEC is the best it's been in basketball in years. I mean, this Ever. is the best it's been. And 
if you can get something going, get some momentum going, who knows, maybe year two you're at the top of that list. I mean, or at least near the top. Uh, Arkansas basketball should be an NCAA tournament team. Like they should year in and year out be looked at. That's what they should be. At least that's what I grew up to. I was born in 83. I never knew a bad Razorback basketball program until I got into till the, the latter year to the later years of Nolan Richardson, whenever he was just done with the program and then Stan Heath and Palfrey. And it's just been, it's been abysmal. Arkansas fans yeah. deserve so much better. And I hope that, uh, man, I hope that Musselman can deliver. And it's just no no major, you know, we're not asking a whole lot here, Musselman. Just, you know, bring back our childhood. Just bring back the good old days. That's all we're asking. But, yeah, that class you're talking about, that was Rodney Clark. That was an unbelievable class. Courtney Fortson. Uh, Jason Henry. Yeah. yeah, who's a four-star. He was good, too. Yeah. He stayed in so much trouble. That, yeah. that was such a deep team that year i mean you thought looking at paper you beat two top 10 teams uh one that had blake griffin goodness gracious yeah that, that was a that was a year they could have been special but i forgot now, how high he was clark was rated top 60 according yeah. to uh now 24 7 sports wasn't around back then but that's yeah. i don't know if that's based on how they how they got to that number when you know when you go back to before they were around, but they have him ranked at top 60, number 57 overall player in the country. That's pretty special. But this class is could shape up to be one of the best classes they've had in a long time. And you've got five guys coming back on this team for this season. And Isaiah Joe, Adriel Bailey, Desi Sills. You got Jalen Harris, uh, Reggie Chaney. And, you know, I guess you can put uh, Ethan Henderson in there as a returner. Mason Jones, man, this team really – they have a pretty good, solid nucleus. I mean, they lost 11 games by eight points or less last season. That's true. They that true. they were – I hate to say they were close, but you look back at it last year, and if, if Musselman, if he, if he can get it going, and I think it's easier to get it going in basketball than it is football, absolutely, because you only have to have so many players to run your style. And he only had eight or nine guys at Nevada his first season. That's true. And he he turned them around from an eight-win team to a 24-win team and a CBI championship. Isaiah Joe, he can shoot the rock. Adrio Bailey, if he can pull it together as a senior, he, he's athletic enough to make a difference at the rim. Desi Seals, he had a solid last 10-game stretch where he averaged like 10 points and a few assists. And then Reggie Chaney, if he can solidify himself at the post, who's an absolute freak. At 6'8", 225. And, and then you add Ethan Henderson, who I think he could really surprise people. You have Jimmy Witt coming back at guard, who could po- possibly play point guard. I really look forward to seeing him back. And Gene Talsilla, he's the guy that I pick will make the biggest impact as a, as a uh, graduate transfer because he's long and athletic at guard, and he can also play forward. He... He looks really good, and he can, he shoots the ball pretty well too. It's gonna be I think he was forty. He was a forty percent shooter while at UNC Wilmington last year. I think so. I think the biggest thing with with Musselman is and and the Razorbacks is if they bring that excitement, like they bring that offense. If they're averaging 70, 80 points a game, and they're bringing some kind of excitement to where Razorback fans can see the future. Okay, this is what he's wanting to do. So say they even go six and six in league play and. They maybe miss out on the tournament, 
go to the NIT or something like that. I mean, as long as it's not this boring, slow pace, we're scoring 40 to 50 points a game. You know, he brings that excitement in and they see that there's what's to come. I think that's going to be huge, huge when it comes to like the fans, like gaining, gaining the following and start following the team. That's very true. Very true. Cause you got a lot of, you got a lot of hype during the off season. Um, the last thing you need is to then put a bad product on the court. You know, and I don't think that he will. I think his past experience, it speaks for itself. You know, his ability to turn things around pretty quickly. Um, I agree with that. You know, you need to, you need to have, <laughs> you hope that he's got it all put together year one. I, again, I, you know, I, I know the closer we get to the season, we'll, we'll put out our picks and everything and, and, and uh, you know, give our listeners a better idea as to where we are with the basketball program. But I'd really, I'd really love to see some of that muscleman magic year one, see them do something special, but you got to back that up and have a, you know, all this off the field, or off the court success you're having, all this momentum that they're creating right now. Let's see that transition to the regular season. Let's see that, yeah. you know, with a with a good product on the court. Yeah, yeah definitely. It, and the thing is, what what I've been watching, like, you know, with you know, I don't know if y'all followed it on Twitter, like the basketball videos and stuff. You know, he's fun. He wants to take those cool pictures with the recruits and re reenact all these great moments and stuff like that. But I've watched those videos on Twitter of them in the practice, he's not afraid to get in their face. You know, he's not afraid to get on these people and demand what he, you know, demand the excellence. And I think I was even, uh, I was listening to the morning rush and they were talking about him calling a timeout on a free throw to, so they could get lined up correctly. I mean, he is a perfectionist. So that to me is like, you know, he's all about having fun and connecting with the players, but He's going to demand that respect, that discipline, that that you're going to line up right, you're going to run the plays, and you're going to you're going to execute his plays because he's not like the rebounding when he was coming off the uh, the red white game and he was talking about rebounding and rebounding. I mean, yeah, it was a fun scrimmage game, but he come out and was like, no, I want the, the team that had the most success was the team who out rebounded the other team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And speaking of height, speaking of rebounding, how big is it for Connor Vanover to be eligible for this season? How big would it huge, be? Huge, 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 huge. Because not only is he, you know, a rebounding person, he was one of the top scorers. I mean, he can shoot the deep ball, and he can have that post presence if, if need be. But the defensive rebounding, they got, I don't know how many games last year offhand they got out-rebounded, but – especially in Musselman's style of offense, that pro kind of style offense where he wants to shoot a lot of threes, you're going to have to have somebody big inside who can get those long rebounds. And for him to be eligible, and it still baffles me that we're so close to basketball season and the NCAA hasn't even ruled if he's eligible. And I asked the question the other day when they would find out, and they still they have no idea when he's going to be eligible. So that really that confuses me and baffles me on, like, why isn't the decision already been made if he's eligible or not? Yeah, right. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's – I don't know if there's, like, a, a specific date that they have to do this by or, or what because if they say – if they rule him eligible, like, halfway through the year, what – I mean, obviously it'll be nice to have him, have him at any point in the year, but – you know, you think back to the time missed. I, I, yeah, they need to get this. Like, like we're we're 
how many days away from the from the season starting? I mean, it's coming up. It's uh, they've got I've got it here right in front of me actually. Exhibition uh, October twentieth against uh, Little Rock, and then October twenty fifth they're going to have Southwest Oklahoma State. But then the 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 season starts November fifth. That's uh, not too far away. So it'd be nice to get him if if just give us an answer. Just let us know. You know, and I know Musselman's going to keep using him in practice as though, you know, I guess, well, I don't know. Didn't he, he had something to say on that a little while back, didn't he, Jacob? Didn't he say he was going to use him as though he were eligible or, or use him in practice like he were going to be he eligible? Was, no, he was going to, he's preparing for them. He's preparing for the season that he would not be eligible. So is he like not he, running him like in practice? Was, I'm sure he's running him in practice, but they're preparing like he's not. Oh, is like, what I, I, I think that'd be like mentally. Like, all right, mentally, I'm thinking that he's not going to be there. But I mean, yeah. he wouldn't sit there and not practice and then let him play in the red light scrimmage. Because I'm, yeah. for me, I would be worried. Like, this is just my opinion. I would be worried about, even though it was a red light scrimmage, of throwing him out there. If this kid's uneligible, I mean, where, where does those lines cross? Because you know how the NCAA is about stuff. I would be very skeptical about, well, we don't know if he's eligible or not, but we're going to let him play in this scrimmage. You know, I don't I don't know, like, the exhibi- if he's going to be able to play in these exhibition games or not because they're not, like, real games. So I, I think he yeah. can. I think he can. But the question would be, would you want him, though, too? You know, if, if, you, if he's not going to be made eligible, then I would just roll my guys out there like how I, I would expect them to on, on yeah. a – on a regular game. Well, yeah, because I'd be scared of, you know, infractions. If, if say, you're playing him in these exhibition games and then come to find out he's an ineligible player, I mean, I'd, yeah. I wouldn't want those that trouble that comes with it. I mean, yeah. you'd better be safe than sorry because at least you know that if he is eligible, okay, we can throw him in there. He's been practicing all offseason. He's ready to go. Right. I don't know if those are because uh, they're unofficial. They're unofficial games, so I'm not sure if they're if that would be held against them or not. But I, I one way or another, I, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't run him. I wouldn't. No. Wouldn't risk it. But November fifth, they need to. They need to know before November fifth because they need Vanover. There's no doubt they need yeah. Vanover. They need some size out there. And that's why. That's primarily why I'm having a hard time getting these guys to a tournament. Their size really bothers me. Although they're not the shortest. They're not the smallest no, team out there. There's some other teams that are smaller, but. You know, I guess we're just gonna have to see how they work as a nucleus on on the court and how they'll yeah. you know, how they'll attack the boards with a lack of size. Yeah. Well, you look at you look at the Golden State Warriors and what they're doing now. How the game of basketball has has turned out to be over the past couple of seasons. And you know, when the Golden State Warriors were winning their championships, they were running with four guards and Draymond Green. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was that was basically their starting five. So. Maybe that's how it will be, and they'll they'll show that they'll have a little bit of success. They'll, I mean, the three point the three three point line moved back a little bit, so it gives the uh, players a little bit more of opportunity to to dribble, drive, and and penetrate, and more ISO plays than than what it what it used to be. You'll see more of a return to normal basketball than what you saw, uh, what you're used to seeing. So that was uh, really quick, really quick. That was one of the knocks. On Mike Anderson, if you guys remember, was his style of play. Yeah, that was something that people and it was used against him in recruiting. Um, 
I, I now you've got a guy. It's like he's got all this NBA background. He's got all this, you know, being in the in the what is it, the G League, and getting these guys prepared for the NBA. And he runs a style, supposedly, that is more comparable to the NBA. So that will no longer be used against them. I don't believe. I mean, we know the world of recruiting; they'll use anything they can against you. But um, that's you're right about that. They're they're gonna there's gonna be a return to the more current age style of basketball as they play in the NBA. So, yeah. Yeah. I think he has a, the potential and I'm not saying the success. So before I even make this statement, do not confuse me with the success, but I think he has the potential to run like a, a John Calipari kind of team as in he could, if he's has the experience with the NBA and he knows what to expect out of players and he has those connections. I mean, he can get a lot of these one and dones or these, transfers that he has coming in every year and getting this getting this because every now and then you know you get your top players your top 100 players in in the nation they're thinking about the nba so until the nba or the ncaa gets together and lets them go from high school straight into the pros they're going to continue coming to college so you get a coach like muscleman to come in who knows how to get these guys prepared for the nba you're going to get those kids because they're going to want to come play for him. And he seems like a nice guy. You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, they're not going to go play for Calipari. They're going to come play for Musman. Yeah. It's really, it's going to be a fun season. I think, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of detail as far as offensive philosophy goes, but a defense, I think they're as much emphasis as he puts on blocking out and being ready to rebound you're going to see more of a fundamentally sound team. Look, I mean, the first the first video, I remember Arkansas's uh, basketball Twitter putting out a couple of months ago was them running a, a out-of-bound drill. Arkansas couldn't do anything on out-of-bound drill or out-of-bound scenarios during games last season or the couple of the past two seasons, three seasons. So really looking forward to seeing what they have there. Uh, they also have a guy like J.D. Noate, um, Abioma, Eola, and I think that's the only two guys that are going to have to sit out this season uh, because of the transfer rule. Uh, so, so Arkansas is going to have about nine guys. If they can get Connor, that'll be ten guys. So you'll you'll be able to have uh, plenty of depth and and firepower going forward uh, this season. So. Guys, I think that'll do it for episode number 30 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Any final words, Ty? No, no, getting ready for, <laughs> I guess we're going to do an Auburn breakdown this week. It's going to be painful, but I'm uh, looking Ooh, forward to that. Hard. And and uh, special shout out to everyone in our Discord who comes through and listens to these podcasts and, and, hang, and, and, and bother to hang out with us on Discord. We really do appreciate you guys. And please... Don't forget to leave us a review and give us some of that star power for those of you over on uh, iTunes. Yeah, Peck, you got anything else to say, buddy? Just, man, I, I feel for Razorback Nation. I feel for the fans. Um, it's been a, a long seven years of, you know, the football team not having success. And, you know, the biggest thing I want to say is to these people out here on Twitter and social media getting at – other fans for being negative i mean look these people in arkansas have been fans for 20 30 years and and they're tired of losing so i don't think it's right for you to tell somebody else how to be a fan if mm -hmm. they are upset 
about the program and, and what they are paying money to go see and watching it on TV, they have every right to be that way because the program is, is not very good right now. So, you know, for all of those people that wants to get at other people for being negative, I mean, it's time to just, just let them grieve. Let them be a fan how they want to be a fan. <laughs> let them grieve. <laughs> That's probably the most appropriate way to put that, really. <laughs> yeah, so, guys, that'll do it for episode number 30 of the Hog Talk podcast. Tune in Tuesday as Jacob will be live on Facebook. And Ty, as every week he does on Saturdays, he breaks down halftime. And he breaks down on his YouTube channel, the Picture Network, on the post-game episodes. Make sure you also turn into Sports and Culture Arkansas, where Peck Hayes, Mr. Porter Hayes, as most people probably know him as, he is the one of the staff writers there at Sports and Culture Arkansas. So check out his articles there. Uh, one of the la- latest ones you can also check out on hogpen.net. Uh, it was about the nostalgia of Barnhill. So, so read that take and, and reminisce on your uh uh in the past it wasn't that too it wasn't that long ago guys that uh arkansas was playing in barnhill just the feeling <laughs> the of good uh, old what barnhill yeah the good old days <laughs> of playing in barnhill so for your host jacob davis signing off thank you to my two co-hosts porter and ty this is the hog talk podcast Shelby Taylor Trucking is the leading timber company in the business. If you need your lane cleared today, call them at 870-942-7288. TMK Properties is a premier real estate agency for folks looking to move into Sheridan and the surrounding area of Grant County, Arkansas. Tony and Mary Kay Palmer, with their elite real estate agents, are equipped and ready to make your search for the dream home go smoothly as possible. Schedule an appointment with them today at 870-942-0800. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.